You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, your friendly neighborhood sexologist here, Jessica O'Reilly, joining me to talk about orgasmic meditation and extending your orgasms based on personal firsthand experience is sex and relationship writer Susanna Weiss. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Now, you write about sex all day long. You research. Sometimes you go into the trenches and try things out. So mm-hmm. that you can write from a you know a personal and more authentic perspective, how has writing about sex for a living changed the way you feel sexually or your own sex life? It's changed everything. I guess it's made me more adventurous. It's made me more confident as I learn about female sexual empowerment and how like sort of um, skewed toward male pleasure our culture's sexual scripts are. It's made me want to fight against that and want to like normalize different sexual scripts other than like intercourse being the main thing um, and given me lots of new ideas to try in my sex life. Intercourse not being the main event is a really difficult script to get people to veer away from. And oftentimes I think it's because We talk about trying other things sexually when there is a problem with intercourse. But for those of us who maybe get off on or enjoy non-intercourse sex as much as or more than we enjoy intercourse itself. And when I say intercourse, I'm saying, you know, putting something in your vagina. For other people, it's putting something in your anus. What led you to discover sex beyond intercourse? Well, I had always... I always knew that there were other things, but I think there was a book I read that was particularly influential. It was um, Becoming Cliterate by Lori Mintz, Mm -hmm. and she talks about how patriarchal it is that we have intercourse as the main act and how um, a quarter of women, only a quarter of women consistently orgasm through intercourse. Uh, She actually argues that it's lower because she thinks people are misreporting um, or reporting when they're like having intercourse like and touching their clit or something. So just made me see how oppressive it is that women are expected to conform to a societal ideal that's set up by men. And so this has led you to try all these different sexual practices, including orgasmic meditation. Now, I've read about orgasmic meditation, but I've never tried it. So I understand that it's a practice that combines the power of meditation with the experience of orgasm. But because I haven't tried it, tell me, what does it physically entail? It entails um, somebody with a vulva and a partner who can be any genital configuration. Um, Stroking the upper left quadrant of the clitoris for 13 minutes and then sort of pressing on it for two minutes, which is supposed to like ground you back to real life. Um, And then they each share a memory of something, some sensation that they felt like if your arm was tingling or like your you felt like the pussy contracting or something and the idea is to cultivate mindfulness and awareness of the sensations in your body. Even though it's called orgasmic meditation, they don't define orgasm in the way we do. They distinguish between orgasm and climax. So they consider orgasm 
Um, to be when your body goes in, in into an involuntary state. For example, if you have um, vaginal contractions, like other muscle movements, wetness, sort of any sort of involuntary state they consider orgasm. And that sounds a little nutty, but it's it does make you feel those sensations more to sort of think of them that way. Interesting. Now, you're lying there and someone is stroking, you say the upper left quadrant of the clitoris. So are you talking about just the head of the clitoris? Yes. So for some of us, that's a really small area. <laughs> are they using their finger? Yeah, they're using their finger, they're wearing gloves, and they lift up the hood so they can get to that place. Okay. So if you haven't checked out a clitoris, a clitoris has many components. So the head of the clitoris is what we usually consider the clitoris. It's that round, bulb-like, pea-looking structure. Uh, And it's sometimes easy to see and sometimes it tucks under the hood. So it has the head. Behind the head, there's a shaft or a rod and this is erectile tissue and you can't see that generally. That's underneath the hood. And then on the inside parts of the clitoris include the inner legs and the inner bulbs. And this is a primarily erectile tissue that's very responsive to touch. And so if you, I can't show you a clitoris right now, but I suggest you Google the entire clitoris or head to our website and uh, check it out. So when you talk about the upper left quadrant, you're just talking about the head of the clit. So some people might have a really, really tiny one. Some people might have a bigger one. How are they stroking it? They're using a finger or a thumb? Uh, It's usually the pointer finger, and they're just kind of stroking it up and down. They can move around it, but you're supposed to kind of start with that place. And you can, as a strokey, give instructions to the stroker about where to move the finger. All right. So 15 minutes of just lying there, taking pleasure. I think that in and of itself would be a challenge for a lot of people because we believe that sex must always be physically reciprocated. Yeah, that's kind of what I like about it is that I don't have to worry like there's too much time spent on me because we've already decided it's going to be 15 minutes. And there's there is a male version that you can do, but it's actually not taught as much because they wanted it because then people will feel pressure to reciprocate and they Mm. don't want you to think of sex that way as like you do me, I do you like a trade like because then you're not like fully in the moment and both enjoying the activity taking place. And then like you feel pressure to do something you may not want to do. So your first time with this practice, I almost called it a procedure, (laughs) just because it's it's regimented in that it's the 13 minutes of stroking, then two minutes of pressing and holding. Your first time, what was going through your head? Oh my God, my first time we... It was right after a class and uh, one of the other students... um, asked me to do it with him and his apartment was far away and so was mine so we used this app that you rent out office spaces <sighs> so we were in san francisco and apparently there was um the security card wasn't aware of the app so he was arguing with the security guard and then the security guards like stood outside the office while we did it so what was going through my head is like does he know what we're doing Um, But also, I felt very connected to the guy who was doing it. Um, Something about that physical motion was fostered this sense of intimacy. And then we took a walk and just talked about like, 
our, our sexual fantasies and insecurities. And it was like we'd known each other for a while. So you feel this taking of time, the learning to receive pleasure helped you guys to open up to one another? Yeah, and there was something about the physical act as well. I think it releases certain hormones that make you feel bonded with someone. Interesting. And have you done it since then? Mm-hmm. And so how is the second or third or 15th experience different? Well, most of them were with a boyfriend. So there wasn't as much of the like, oh my God, I'm with a stranger and now I feel so close to him. But it was just like a nice way to relax and just take pleasure for myself and then often it you're not supposed to use it as foreplay but often like it would become that because it would get me turned on um that's one of the things there are often these practices or suggestions and with these practices and suggestions come supposed to's and so I think it's kind of a little bit hypocritical that we're saying enjoy this process be mindful but also this is disallowed so if it leads to sex of a different kind so be it and if it doesn't I I presume that's okay, too, to just enjoy the experience as opposed to focusing on one specific outcome. Yeah. They usually say if you're going to have sex afterward, then at least sort of clean up. Like, you have this whole setting. There's, like, two pillows you have your legs over, and you have, like, lube, and then, like, a washcloth to wipe it off. So they say, like, then just so that it's clear what you're doing when you're doing it and then you can move on to whatever else i see so it's a slightly different practice there's a ritual to it and when it ends you you change the environment a little Mm -hmm. now you've also engaged for research purposes that i imagine have snowballed into personal purposes in extended orgasm practice so what does that look like It's similar. Actually, orgasmic meditation is kind of the parent child of extended orgasm. So extended orgasm is a similar motion stroking the upper left quadrant of the clitoris, but it's not as formal. It's not timed. Um, Do you wear the glove? It is sometimes done with a glove, sometimes without. If you're like with a partner, a long-term partner, then Mm -hmm. often without. yeah, and you can sort of decide, like, I, um, I've i heard pe- some people do it for, like, an hour, and it's, other than that, it's pretty similar. So you would stroke the upper left quadrant with a finger for as long as they're orgasming, or what, what do you, like, are you trying to have an orgasm, and are you trying to make it last longer, or are you trying to delay orgasm? You are generally not trying to climax. If it happens, that's okay. But you're sort of trying to just be in the moment and feel whatever you feel. Okay, so when they say extended orgasm, they're not thinking about orgasm maybe in the way I think of it, where there are rhythmic contractions and it's a, you know, the climax of pleasure and then there's a sense of release. So it's really extended touch uh, that can be orgasmic. Yeah, so I didn't get the orgasm thing at first because I'm like, you're just calling everything orgasm and then it's meaningless. (laughs) This chocolate cake is orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) But once I really got into it and I did like a week-long intensive training in extended orgasm. Oh, the other difference is you can do it to yourself. So I learned to do that. Oh, okay. I like that. I was actually like having vaginal contractions like for several minutes at a time and it wasn't exactly like a climax like 
it didn't have the sense of doneness, like I could keep going, but it felt like almost as good. So I can see why they call it that. And so you can do this to yourself and you took a week long course. What do they teach you in a week? (laughs) They teach you the principles behind it. So they have all these philosophies about how fun is a worthy goal, like in life and in sex and about how um, like a woman uh, can use her turn on, they call it, like her sexual energy in the rest of her life to sort of have a presence and um, sort of an exuberance in when you like do this and you go out into your life and they teach you how to Oh, there are certain things called connections where you can like touch your nipple at the same time or something and then you develop more sensation in your nipple because you're associating it with the pussy. Um, yeah, there's... So there's a philosophical approach and then there's the phys- the physical part of it. Mm-hmm. And so is this something you practice on your own now? Sometimes. And how is it different than other sexual experiences? It's different in that the high you get from it, I get like a high from it. It's like after I do it, I have this sense of confidence and this sense of connection to my intuition and I sort of know the next thing I'm going to do intuitively in my life and I get a boost in mood, a boost in energy and... Because, like, you don't climax, you still feel sexual afterwards. So it's kind of fun to just be walking down the street, like, feeling really horny. (laughs) And you describe it as a high. Does this have to do with the fact that you're maintaining this state of arousal and the chemicals are rushing through your body, but you're not going over the edge? I think so. It's... I don't know if they've done research on it. I think they may be doing it now. Um, You're the research. (laughs) You're the guinea pig. (laughs) Yeah, I've noticed that if I climax, then I lose that high. So I think it has something to do with the fact that you're just building it up and up, but not releasing it. So when I I listen to this, to me it has to do with, um, it seems to be related to tantric practices where you're focused on the sensation and the mindfulness and being in your body and the sensuality and the pleasure, but you're not focused on orgasm. Do they draw from Tantra? I've never heard them explicitly draw from Tantra, but I agree that it sounds similar. And so if people aren't ready to necessarily try a whole class or a week-long workshop, what what would you recommend they could take from your experience and try for themselves? I would recommend that they um, set aside 15 minutes with a partner or yourself and like if if it's yourself then maybe get a mirror and look at your clitoris and lift up the hood and try to find that upper left quadrant and just try like stroking it up and down for 15 minutes and see what happens. Excellent. And during that time, you're just breathing and feeling and enjoying the sensations and no judgment in terms of how you react, right? Right. So if you you lie there and you just feel relaxed, that's okay. If you lie there and you feel euphoric, awesome. If you lie there and you feel like finishing yourself off with a vibrator, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now, as a sex writer, what's the most exciting thing you've tried for a story? (laughs) 
Well, I got into sex parties through my work, and now I love them just for my own social life. Is there a sex party you can recommend, the best sex party you've attended? The best one was actually in London. It was at a club called La Baudoir. And who was hosting it? Uh, the club was hosting it, I Oh, guess. it was a local. Okay, so Le Boudoir in London, England. Mm-hmm. All right. And so with sex parties, do you tend to attend alone or with a partner? What's your preference? I have attended alone because I don't have a partner, um, which is nerve-wracking, but it's really forced me out of my shell and forced me to like go up to people and be like, oh, I actually am not getting rejected, or if I am... Someone else is going to not reject me, so it's improved my confidence. Awesome. Any advice for a first-timer heading to a sex club, either alone or with a partner? I would say people are a lot more open and less judgmental than you think, so don't assume that anyone's going to reject you or don't feel ashamed to like express your interest in someone. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. Any big writing projects that involve fun hands-on research coming up? I want to try getting hypnotized to orgasm. I haven't gotten an assignment yet, but I want to do that next. Okay, so for all the editors listening, pick this story up because I (laughs) also want you to get hypnotized to orgasm and I want to read about it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Where can people follow you? Twitter, Susanna Weiss, S-U-Z-A-N-N-A-H-W-E-I-S-S. Instagram, Weiss Susanna, the reverse of that. All right, awesome. We'll post those on our page as well. Thanks so much once again. Thank you. Have a great week wherever you're at. I'll be back with Brandon next Friday and every Friday morning. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.